Welcome to the Practice of Theology. My name is Tyler Kirkpatrick, and in addition to hosting this podcast, I serve as one of the pastors of Cross Point Church in Columbus, Georgia. The Practice of Theology exists to help the local church engage theology on a deeper level and learn how it applies to daily life. Today, we have the privilege to enter into a conversation with Robert Ward to talk about connecting to the local church. Robert is one of the pastors of Cross Point Church here in Columbus. He is a Columbus native himself and attended the University of Georgia before coming on staff at Cross Point almost 11 years ago. He is also the husband of Sigourney and father of Quentin and Sarah Joy. To find out more about Robert, you can check out InsideCrosspoint.com and find him on Twitter at RAWARD, Roman numeral 4. It's a joy to welcome you to this conversation with one of my good friends. I'm sure you will find this discussion helpful and at times, maybe even amusing. I pray that it will bear fruit in your life as you seek to engage the local church more intentionally. All right, Robert, thank you for joining me on the podcast. It really is a joy to have you. Uh, You're a dear friend and brother to me, fellow pastor here at Cross Point, and it's a joy to talk to you about connecting to the local church. Yeah, man, it's nice to uh, it's nice to be here on the podcast. I have been told that I have a particularly loud uh, presence in the office, and whenever you record these podcasts, I'm sequestered mm-hmm. into uh, like cones of silence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but finally, I'm allowed to talk when you record a podcast, and it is because. I am a guest on your podcast. In fact, you are the guest of the podcast. Which means I think that going forward, I should just be a permanent co-host of the practice of theology. You know, I would love that. Mm -hmm. All right, brother. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, just who you are, and maybe your testimony as well. Yeah. um, My name is Robert Ward. Uh, I am uh, married uh, for 10 years now to Sigourney, and uh, we have two children. Quentin, who is seven, and Sarah Joy, who is four. And uh, let's see, I have been on staff at Crosspoint for uh, just about the same amount of time, a little bit longer than that. So um, 10 years or, or so. Um, I uh, really graduated college and then just um, came on staff here um, almost immediately. So um, actually right away. So uh, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I've been doing this for a while. Um, my uh, testimony, is that what you were, did you ask me about that? Did you ask for my testimony? Yeah, absolutely. I want to tell you. Yeah, it. I'd like to hear that. I want to tell it to you. Tell it to me. I, uh, I grew up in a, um, a believing family and um, went to church, I have gone to church my entire life, uh, different churches growing up, uh, grew up United Methodist uh, for a long time through middle school and then went to a Baptist church here in town for several years in high school and uh, around the end of high school, beginning college, I started going to Crosspoint and eventually came on staff there. Um, I came to faith probably somewhere in in my middle school years, I would think. Um, went to a uh, conference that was all about studying the Bible, and it just dawned on me at one of the night's sessions, one of the speakers uh, was just very adamant about the importance of believing the gospel for yourself, actually taking ownership of that yourself. And Mm -hmm. it's not that I was ever necessarily opposed to the gospel. I was um, certainly familiar with it uh, and would have considered myself to be a Christian. But um, something about the way it was put, just there was an urgency there that I had not felt before in my own heart um, to really own my faith 
myself. And so all these things that I'd kind of heard, things that I've memorized, things that I just knew really settled in kind of all at once. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. um, I'm fairly certain I came to faith around that time, seventh grade, eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And um, through just the influence of my youth pastor at the, the next church that I was a part of and uh, and then going into college, um, have you know really found I did find a lot of growth over those next few years, and uh, and certainly into college and beyond. So, um, you know, I, I think sometimes when I talk with people about their testimonies, which I do very often, just as part of yeah. um, what what I do at the church, um, what we do, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's sometimes you hear people talk about their testimonies as if they're boring, uh, uneventful. And, um, and mine certainly is that, um, but yeah. I'm always uh, <laughs> encouraged and try to remind people and, and, and myself that, uh, it's a real blessing to have a boring testimony, I think. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think anytime somebody comes to faith, that is no less of a miracle. It's no less of a work of the Lord in their lives. Uh, and in fact, yeah. there are plenty of people who, um, by rejecting the gospel that the Lord has abundantly surrounded them with, uh, are really mm-hmm. heaping condemnation on themselves. Um, and so I, it's not a given, it's not a guarantee. And I'm, uh, I think as I look over my testimony and hear the testimonies of others like it, I'm always struck not so much by what the Lord saved me from in my past, though obviously that's the case, but, uh, but thinking also about what what my life would have been like apart from Christ. Yeah. What what would my life have yeah. been like going forward without Him? And just knowing, you know, my own soul and um and, and my own kind of just personality and weaknesses and um and pride, I can I can certainly you know see where the Lord has spared me from a lot of a lot of pain that uh, and and suffering that otherwise would have happened. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, that's that's maybe not even really an answer to your question. That is my testimony. I, I came to faith, yeah. you know, kind of over the course of time, but all at once it just sort of clicked. Yeah, yeah. No, amen, amen. And thanks for sharing that with us. So you mentioned you've been here at Cross Point on staff for uh, around that 11-year mark. What what do you do now? What do you do these days? What's your role here? Uh, I, what don't I do, Tyler? What what don't I do? No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Uh, actually, I, uh, that's a shorter list. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, I'm running this podcast right now. Um, I uh, oversee our membership process at the church. Um, so I guess bringing people into the church through formal membership, but also um, just following up with them um, in the course of being members of Crosspoint. In particular, mm-hmm. if somebody maybe uh, has has strayed or, or gone missing, we don't know what's going on, following up with them or making sure that, that they're being followed up with as best we can. Yeah. Uh, but then also when people move or they, you know, through the army, they may maybe PCS somewhere else uh, or uh, for various reasons, maybe feel like joining another church, a different church is in their, their best interest. Um, just following mm-hmm. up with them, making sure that pastoral care and shepherding continues in their lives. Um, so I'm, I'm overseeing that. And that's probably one of the main things that I do. Um, I do also, um, uh, give some, some direction to like discipleship and just Christian formation in the life of the church. Um, which over the last year has looked mm-hmm. kind of bare bones, I feel like, because of just <laughs> yeah. COVID and uh, everything going yeah. on. It's been a little difficult to like r- rally people around something. Um, right, yeah. But uh, like like helping to equip people for Bible studies and making sure community mm-hmm. groups are 
uh, are going in a good direction and, and uh, helping leaders with issues that they may have or things that come up in the course of leading a small mm-hmm. group. Um, connecting people for just one-on-one discipleship even, um, as well as, um, you know, overseeing just other things that kind of come up in the life of the church, midweek fellowship, sometimes helping with that. Um, right. So that, that feels a little bit more like a, a junk drawer sort of thing. But, um, but there is a lot that obviously we as a church want to do in between Sundays mm-hmm. uh, and, and sometimes also on Sunday mornings before church that um, right. want to just form Christian maturity, disciplines, uh, biblical awareness and literacy, all that helping our church family to, to grow in that way. Right. And then um, I guess finally, um, like helping or I oversee like our church communications. And uh, so all the stuff we put <laughs> on our website and social media, all that, um, uh-huh. you know, it's uh, that's increasingly kind of uh, there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle, but um, just kind of given some direction there. Wait, isn't scheduling social media posts the funnest thing ever? It is fun. And sometimes I think how much fun it is. And I wish that mm-hmm. I could bring people into that world and show them how exciting it Share is to, um, to schedule posts and, um, you know, and post things <laughs> and make sure that we're not repeating <laughs> posts. That's right. And, That's right. And then trying to figure out why something didn't post that you thought was going to post. Social media is great. Mm. It's probably the best thing about humanity right now. It has to be, you know, and stuff not posting when it's supposed to, that's like, that's like end time stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like that's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's big time. Um, yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. Robert, we're also um, an elder led church. You are an elder, a pastor here, you're a staff pastor um, and you don't just teach you, you preach. So you also preach often. You're a very good, gifted, capable uh, preacher as well. Maybe you didn't want to say that because you didn't want to toot your own horn. Thanks, man. Yeah, I forgot. I do that as well. Mm -hmm. I do do that. Yeah, you do. (laughs) All right. So, uh, the discussion is connecting to the local church. Uh, So, the question has to start with, why is connecting to the local church important? Isn't it enough just to show up and worship the Lord? No, Tyler. That's that's not enough. No. Um, You know, there's... um, I guess there's so many passages you could kind of turn to. There's different just concepts mm-hmm. in scripture. I think, you know, I, just without even looking at a specific passage, just the fact that books of the Bible, I mean, the whole New Testament, really the whole Bible is written with a specific people in mind. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's really obvious when you read letters like First Corinthians. Well, okay, this letter was written by a particular person to a particular group of people. Right. The, the, Mm -hmm. there wasn't any sort of accident there when the church in Corinth received this letter. They weren't like, well, who, who's Paul talking to? You know, there's a deliberate nature to the way scripture itself was written, uh, that Mm -hmm. communicates to us, I think, an essential element of being the people of God, which is that we are a specific, particular people. Uh, and that's true in the Old Testament. It's true in the New Testament. Um, and so that's, that just kind of across the board, I think should cause us to consider life in the church to be really a primary uh, way of of orienting our Christian lives and our walk with the mm-hmm. Lord. Right. Then you get into more specific passages and and in particular just in in thinking about this question earlier, you know, I think a lot about like Hebrews 10 and especially verse 25 which a lot of people point to. Mhm. 
And so I'm just going to read it real quick. Um, yeah. Hebrews 10, 25 says, do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. And I think that's yeah. super uh, simple to kind of say, okay, yeah, we need to be gathering together. We need to meet together. But that doesn't always answer your question like, okay, isn't it right. just enough to be in the same space? Right. And I think the irony is that for a lot of folks, the the temptation is there to kind of ignore verses 23 and 24 of Hebrews 10. Right. So let me give you the full context. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who yeah. promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, I, mm -hmm. I just got through a Bible study with a group of men. We were going through Hebrews. And so this is fresh on my mind, but I'm struck by the language of that passage. And especially, you know, verses 23 and 24, like this, I think people overlook the real um, significance and I think pitfalls surrounding this idea of holding fast the confession of our hope without wavering and how important mm -hmm. it is that we have other people enlisted in that work. It's like the whole letter right. of Hebrews is written to a people who are probably in one way or another tempted to throw in the towel, reevaluate what it is they believe, maybe even kind of backtrack some things that they uh, are finding to be a little more uh, difficult to adhere to in the world that they're mm -hmm. living in. Mm -hmm. And yet the author of Hebrews is saying, you know, you need to hold fast your confession. And then he directly, like in the same breath, ties that, like that imperative to, to one another. Yeah. You know, let us hold fast our confession. Let us consider how to stir up one another. Right. To love and good works. You know, and then don't neglect to meet together. Some are doing that, but instead encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Mm -hmm. And so there is this ongoing like uh, heightening of that desire. Let's as the day draws near, as as the return yeah. of the Lord is more and more imminent, we ourselves need to be more and more uh, leaning in together. Yeah. Uh, because that is where our confidence is really going to be grounded. And, you know, I think I used to, I think we all kind of maybe know that on some level. Um, but I feel that to be more and more true. The longer I'm in pastoral ministry, the longer I'm a member of a church, that uh, mm -hmm. there there is a lot of truth to that. That when we gather together on Sunday mornings, you can do that in a way that's kind of perfunctory and kind of missing the point of Hebrews 10, 23 mm -hmm. through 25. Uh, what, what this passage is calling us to is something deeper. It's a, it's a lifestyle where we are um, committed to building one another up, exhorting one another mm -hmm. and, uh, and leaning forward to the return of the Lord. Yeah, no. And uh, you mentioned the one another type passages. I mean, that, that phrase is used almost a hundred times in just the New Testament alone. Um, and it does. I mean, you have the New Testament writers under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit ingraining in to the fabric of the church, uh, kind of a, an others focused kind of orientation. Right. And so, I mean, you'll hear pastors, I mean, Brad has said yeah. it so many times being vertically oriented and horizontally oriented. And even last night in our elder meeting, we talked about worship. And one of the things that came up was how, when we sing, 
yes, primarily we're singing unto the Lord, but we're also singing unto one another for encouragement, admonition, uh, a whole host of things, depending on the songs we're singing. Yes. Well, I was I was also going to just uh, mention, you know, Hebrews 3, 13, it says, exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, mm-hmm. that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And I think that just kind of shows like just how much Hebrews is really about the importance of building our faith up together in community with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I think about that and tying into what you were just saying about there really being sort of not two equal audiences, let's say, on Sunday morning or during worship or at other times. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, when we gather together, God is exalted by many voices in unison. Right. Like he's glorified when, I mean, he's certainly glorified by one single solo individual voice calling out to him in praise or confession or prayer, supplication, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. in the quiet of your own heart or you know, just wherever you are. But the Lord is also exalted, and I think this is one of his purposes in making a people for himself. Mm-hmm. He's exalted by many voices coming together for his praise, by many voices coming together for edification, exhortation, building one another up. Mm-hmm. And in that way, we then ourselves are kind of the secondary beneficiaries of that gathering. And so we mm-hmm. ourselves are built up. You know, the author of Hebrews points out exhortation being one of those things. But also confidence. You know, I can know a lot of things about scripture. I can know a lot of things about the Bible, about the gospel. I can be very sure uh, if somebody were to ask me, what's the gospel? I can tell them yeah. uh, the, the, the facts. But there's a confidence that I think the people of God lack apart from mm. the reinforcement we get from one another and seeing each other's faith and seeing each other's growth in the Lord and uh, humility before the Lord and before one another, uh, that 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 too, I think, is a real, I mean, that's an essential element of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, Yeah, which we so often hear just disciple and we think singular, but we don't really expect disciple to actually be something that's in the context of something larger, which is the group, the, the mm-hmm. people collectively of, of God, and especially the local church that you're actually a part of and can relate to directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Um, so we're. I, th- I think we're talking about it, but I want to ask kind of straightforwardly: what What does the Lord have in mind when He is calling us together? What is it that God intends would happen to us and through us when we gather? And and let's let's be clear too. Um, yes, of course, we're talking about Sunday uh, morning in a, in a worship service, but we're also just talking about the church being gathered, really in any type of context where we are ministering to one another. So, yeah. with that in mind, what what does the Lord have in mind in in these gatherings? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of things that go on. I, sometimes I think it's helpful to think of what happens on Sunday morning, and like you said, anytime we gather, this mm-hmm. should be a a time for us to walk with the Lord publicly, visibly. Mm. And we should always be doing that, right? I mean, that's, that's, I mean, the Christian life is 24 seven, you know, when you wake Mm, up and you go to sleep. I mean, even when you are unconscious, like the the Christian life has implications for every element of your day, whether you're around people Mm. or not, but gathering with God's people, I think is an opportunity to put all of that on display and so, mm-hmm. in in that in that setting, in that context, we um, we come to the Lord with uh, with our joy together. Uh, we share in that with one another. Yeah. Um, if uh, I mean, I think I can't exactly remember the passage, but you know, like sharing all good things with 
and that in one case, you know, the, the teacher. But I think just in general, we as God's people, we we want to share in and delight in the work of the Lord among us, mm, right? In big ways and small ways. Yep. Um, we want to share in our uh, and carry one another's burdens, and uh, in in some way, right? The the gathering of God's people is an opportunity for us to mm. um, to empathize with each other, to uphold one another. Uh, to to care for each other when we ourselves are too weak to to really stand on our own, mm. we have brothers and sisters who are holding us up. Yeah, um, and and I think that literally sometimes happens. But I think like on on a Sunday morning, you know, there's any number of people coming into a sanctuary, whether you are a big church or a small one, and all of these people are coming from different places, different backgrounds. Uh, the the last five minutes is going to have any number of, you know, connotations for every single person in the room. Right. And uh, as we worship the Lord together, as we hear his word taught, uh, as we participate in the Lord's Supper or witness a baptism or uh, just just see each other's faces and are reminded of the work of the Lord in one another's lives, that becomes a place where we live out, where we really flesh out the things that we believe. Um, mm. And so that's joy, that's sorrow, that's confessing sin. That's confessing sin to one another. It's forgiving one another. Um, all, all of this is an opportunity. It's, a, it's kind of a microcosm of, of the Christian life, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and when you think of like the New Testament, in particular, Paul uh, and Peter, uh, and this, this passage came to mind when you were talking about this, First Peter chapter 2, uh, verse four and five in, in between there, he says being built up as a spiritual house. And I mean, it really is true yeah. that like these local churches are, are households. They are, you know, and then you have Paul using body imagery. Um, but we are coming together to do what families do. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, that's your answer was, was very helpful and thorough there. Um, the flip side of that though, is, is this, what, what do we forfeit when we don't, um, truly connect. Now, I want to be clear to make this distinction. I'm not saying what do we forfeit when we don't come to church ever. Yeah. I'm saying what do we forfeit when we do come to church, but we don't connect or engage yeah. uh, the the local body there. We're just coming in, uh, you know, I mean, this is overuse. No one actually comes in and sits in the back row anymore, unless you're me. Um, just kind of coming in, popping in, and then popping out. What, what do you forfeit when you're not engaging? Yeah, I um, I was thinking about this a lot uh, recently, reading a book that is totally unrelated. Um, Carl Truman wrote this book that, that um, is, is really helpful. It's called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And um, mm-hmm. in it, he kind of traces just the history of just the, the idea, the concept of individual express- expression. Yeah. And, um, and he, he, tra- he ties that into a lot of, of issues that we talk about here a lot about today regarding, you know, human sexuality and um, uh, race, a, a lot of things um, having to do with kind of personal identity. Mm-hmm. And... One thing that he mentions, uh, at least I think it was his book, but one, one thought that I had was just um, that he he really emphasizes is, you know, there was a time, I suppose, where people 
were shaped by the groups that they were a part of. Yeah. Where they were, especially when it comes to like a church, for example, you belonged to the church. And so your life was really, in, it was more, uh, more or less conformed or in the process of conforming to, uh, to a set of beliefs, a way of life, um, doctrine, values, mm-hmm. all of that of, of the larger group that you belong to. Right. And then somewhere along the way, um, and I think this has happened outside the church and and inside the church in some contexts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the way, people stopped seeing their identity as being part of something bigger. Yeah. And they really started to zero in on, we really started to zero in on uh, seeing ourselves so individualistically mm. that um, that that the groups were a part of became really more of a way of expressing that, that individualism. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like an outlet for that expression. So I think people kind of treat the church that way too. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that's a major problem and it has a lot of symptoms. It can have the symptom of just not being a meaningful part of a church. Like you're just never even there. You know, you you don't show up on Sundays after a while, You, you stop coming to different things. You stop checking in with people. You're just kind of, gone and you're just sort of on this roll out there that that's one extreme but i think it can also happen as people uh maybe just kind of attend a church or they're there on sunday mornings in some way or other but they're not really like present they're not there to be shaped they're not there to be molded to be transformed Uh to be brought into something they're really there as a way of expressing something about themselves and that can happen uh in in, in any number of directions, good or bad, or I guess like the way we might think of, you know, good doctrinally or bad doctrinally, you know, where mm-hmm. I think sometimes people, they will join a church because it just expresses where they're at doctrinally. Right. And they get excited about a church because, oh, it's, you know, they believe this, they're, you know, committed to this type of, uh, of doctrine and, and understanding of scripture. Maybe this is my kind of big key theological issue and this church kind of mm-hmm. hits all the marks for me so i'm going to be there and the church really isn't a, it's still not a place for them to connect it's not a place for them to grow or to be yeah. ministered to or to minister to others it's it's not that mm-hmm. it's a place for them to kind of signal to everybody else like where they are internally right and that happens yep. with good things and bad things Right. Well, well, and it's almost like the individual's raising a flag. Hey, this is who I am. This is where I stand. Virtue signaling can go any number of ways. And I think that's one of the ways that it happens. Um, it, absolutely. That's exactly right. And it's, it's tricky because it can look like having good doctrine, but it can yeah, absolutely. mean sometimes being no closer to the Lord and no more uh, engaged with God's people um, than somebody who's never even there. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So I think I think we you know we end up missing out on the chance to really be formed by right the community of God. Right. Uh, we miss the chance, ironically, to be shaped by God's word as it's proclaimed through song, through preaching, certainly through mm-hmm. uh, uh, through prayer, through studying the Bible together. Um, that's where we really engage with one another, and as we behold the Lord together, we become more like Him together. Yep, yep. And the flip side of that is you are withholding that from other people by not engaging. Mm-hmm. The things you would receive are also the things you would yourself do. I mean, that's, you know, in 1 Corinthians 12, that's what Paul is talking about with this body imagery. Yes, we are one body, but many parts. 
we need eyes, we need feet, right. we need hands, we need ears. And, and sometimes you really need the eyes to help care for the feet, right? You, you, you don't want to be mm-hmm. a blind body trying to take out a splinter, for instance. Right. Um, and so there are things that you maybe as a pair of eyes are withholding from the feet when you do not connect. Um, but then also you are obviously not, not getting that yourself either. So yeah, no, that's really, that's a really helpful answer, brother. Uh, so, all right, we're, we're kind of talking about uh, the theological kind of pragmatic things. Uh, how do we go about getting plugged into a local church? So what if I am just not naturally super outgoing? I'm, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. It's just not in my nature to kind of seek people out and shake hands and um, do the things that you're technically supposed to do to make friends. Um, <laughs> h- how can I get plugged in? You can't. It's um, it's scientists haven't found a way. It's uh, it's impossible. Is that <laughs> is that is that good? Yeah, we can end the episode there. We can just end it there. Um, and be encouraged, everybody. No, uh, f- you know, I think, and this is going to sound silly, <clears throat> but I think it's I think it's helpful just to kind of to kind of establish, right? Um, you need to find a church. That's you know that's step one. And honestly, sometimes I think that's that's. That's for some people like the hardest thing is, well, where do I even start? You know, and then you got to then you got to actually go to that church and you got to be there and maybe get there early. And but but being there regularly, I think Mm -hmm. I think those things are like, okay, we need to assume that that's happening in the midst of of everything. Right. Um, being there regularly, kind of establishing yourself, even without, without having to necessarily shake hands or, you know, be upfront and tell jokes and show your crazy talents and whatever, like to be able to be a face that people go, I've seen this, I've seen that face. I know this, I I feel like I should know this person. Um, uh, I think it starts with, and this is hard and I think it's hard for people, especially when you're moving to a new place. Um, you know, some people find mm-hmm. it easier to jump into strange places, you know, uh, than others. But right. yep. I think really, you know, at the, at the end of it all, you do have to say, okay, where am I going to visit? And then I've got to, I've got to actually go there and I'm going to commit to kind of being there a few, a few weeks and, and seeing how things go. Um, I think another thing to do, even before you get there, uh, is to go with good expectations or rather hopeful expectations. And, mm-hmm. and by that, I mean, you know, thinking about like, uh, first Corinthians 13, you know, uh, love hopes mm-hmm. all things there. I think yeah. there, there should be a hopefulness in us, even as we venture out and <clears throat> take the risk of, of putting ourselves out there with people of hoping mm-hmm. all things and saying, okay, you know, I'm going to assume the best about whatever happens today, uh, or whatever happens over the next couple of weeks that I'm visiting this church, I'm going to assume the best of people's intentions. I'm going to assume the best of uh, the pastor's intentions and what he says or right. doesn't say or how he does or doesn't right. engage mm-hmm. with me or, or other people. Yep. Um, and yeah. and let, let that allows you to let things kind of play out and really be able to assess things. So all that in mind, assuming that's the way you're, you're going about it, um, I think it's helpful to... Um, I'll just speak for myself, like as a as a pastor who wants to help people integrate into the life of a church the moment they mm-hmm. visit, like, okay, I want to be mindful. How can we help them engage? Um, I think it's helpful sometimes to to like reach out via email. And I think that's that's actually 
um, pretty pretty low risk, high reward uh, right. of an activity yeah. uh, because you can yep. uh, you can put something out there and and introduce yourself without really having to have the kind of pressure of like putting up this great first impression unless you're just horrible at, at spelling or typing or something like that, which a lot of people are. So actually, that <laughs> kind of makes you average. Um, you sign it with the wrong name. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I forgot my name. Oh, that's not uh, who I am. Oh, man, that's, oh, I'm man, not Robert, what a, I'm what Tyler. What a horrible first impression. Uh, I always forget that. Um, to, uh, I mean, this happens all the time. Like people will reach out, hey, I'm I'm coming in from out of town. We found your church on their website or whatever, and we're going to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'd love to, we'd love to introduce ourselves or what have you. Or, hey, we're just coming. Yeah. We're going to be here on, yep. on you know, this Sunday. Um do you have childcare? What's going on? I mean, even if maybe you know the answers to those questions, like just kind of giving, getting yourself an excuse to just reach out and say, Hey, you know, here I am. I, I've always found that personally helpful because it, mm-hmm. it alerts me or reminds me like, Oh man, okay, there are always people coming in this church that this is their first Sunday year. And, um, and without mm-hmm. even knowing them, it gives me an idea. This person values, um, the church values, uh, Sunday worship which are increasingly or i guess decreasingly uh important things in people's in people's lives and so that right. that automatically makes me want to really follow up with a person and say okay like how 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 are things let's get lunch how are you doing mm-hmm. how was your first sunday here you know um how can i get you connected there are other avenues for connection beyond sunday morning which sometimes is just difficult to really connect one-on-one yeah, with people that's a good point um so i i think that's helpful i think you know, if if you're able to, um, uh, and I and I realize that some of this is more a function of people's personalities, but um, mm-hmm. to just introduce yourself to the people you're sitting around on a Sunday morning, and that's why I think getting there early can help. Yep, and and maybe leaving later than just right as the service is over can help mm-hmm. because it uh, it just allows more opportunity to kind of bump shoulders with people and uh, say hey, introduce yourself, and um, and kind of go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. And I think that's really helpful to kind of what you're saying about having proper expectations, mm-hmm. but especially as it relates to the Sunday morning, you know, for many reasons, um, and I think most of them good, Sunday mornings are very structured yeah. in in terms of how we, um, especially here at Crosspoint, we structure our time very intentionally. And so, yeah, coming early and leaving late is is extremely helpful to kind of capitalize on that time relationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also churches, most all churches, I, I know the past year and a half has made this difficult, but most all churches provide some sort of smaller group outlet as well. Yeah, And those are a really great entry point into not the church itself, but relationships yeah. within the church. You need to start coming to Sunday morning immediately, yeah. but there are other avenues to kind of cultivate, uh, you know, a little bit more intimate of a feel there. Um, which leads us into our next question. What are some of the challenges when it comes to getting connected in the local church? Yeah, so disregard everything I've said. Uh, sometimes churches are so big <laughs> that it's impossible to like, maybe you feel like you're <laughs> (laughs) introducing yourself to people and it's just not landing Uh and they say hey and then they go find their friends and they're gone you know or sometimes uh sometimes a church can be you know more insular where people kind of know who they know and they're content with that and uh knowing you is maybe not their priority right um you know there's a there's a whole range of of just honestly tyler tell me robert the problem is the fall the problem is the uh, fall. Genesis three. That's that's the Ugh. pitfall of of being part of a church is sin. Doggone it! Every single time, um, people are selfish, 
people don't mean to be selfish, but people generally are thinking about themselves. They're thinking about their families, their kids, their mm -hmm. friends, the people that that they enjoy being around, and they just don't know that they enjoy being around you yet, right? So there's right. there's that that always in every church has to be overcome. It just you know like that's right. that's the problem, and so I think pastorally, you know, our goal is always to encourage people to. Be hospitable to others, to go out of their way, to kind of set aside their preferences and say, okay, how can I engage with somebody that maybe I don't know, that maybe this is their first Sunday here or or, or they're otherwise just kind of out of their comfort zone? Um, mm -hmm. How can I facilitate somebody's you know connection to others in the church? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it starts too with pastors, elders, um, small group leaders who in a lot of ways are kind of the de facto um, like leaders in just within the church kind of throughout um, of really right. being exemplary saying, mm -hmm. okay, you know, on some level, like this is, this is, I got to lead in this. Uh, yep. And so for me, like I, I want to make a point on Sunday mornings. Yeah. To, Welcome people that I know to give people hugs, to say hey to folks, to, you know, uh, check in on people, see how they're doing. Um, but then I yeah, also, yeah. I, I don't want to get to a place where that's all I'm doing. I also want to be aware. I, I don't know that face. I don't know this person. I've never seen them. How can I, right. how can I meet them? And then maybe even kind of connect them to somebody else uh, in that moment. Yep. Yep. No. And, uh, you know, Brad uses this phrase all the time. Uh, it, it's some sort of weird military thing, I think, but, uh, keeping your head on a no, swivel. Okay. So it's not a military thing. It's a football thing. It's like, I think his dad was like a, it was like a football coach or something. They used to always talk about like really? having your head on a, on a swivel, which, uh, yeah. See, I heard it in the mill. I heard it in the army. Hmm. And so when Brad, we said need to it, do a I'm separate like, podcast episode, just know, about the, the origins of this phrase, I think. We do, um, mm -hmm. but I don't, you know, I don't think Brad will probably listen to this, but he's kind of a weirdo uh, with his little phrases, but he, uh, for whatever reason, that kind he's of He's got sticks, his phrases. Right? And, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but for real, um, all joking Keep aside, your head on the swivel. you know, Brad, Brad does. Yeah. He, he encourages the, because that's the, actually the church itself can create one of the challenges to connection. If you're just kind of, kind of cold, right? You don't, you yeah. don't ever engage. You're just kind of there. You're, you know, head and eyes are forward. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, I think kind of what Brad is saying is like, look around, see who's there, see who's not there, minister to people, um, be, be warm yeah. and welcoming, um, you know, you know, as you do this. So, so let's talk about that for just a moment though, while we're on this topic, our, our church is by no means, um, you know, mega church category, but we're, we're large. Um, and to be, to be honest, like we're larger than an average church. Um, and so for churches like ours, or even maybe people who are listening who do kind of go to the, the mega church type of churches, uh, how can we create warm and welcoming environments? Like, is it, is it possible for a church of a thousand to be as warm and welcoming as a church of 150? That's kind of a, I mean, it's relative, but like. Yeah, I think, I think it's definitely possible. I think it's also, you know, possible for a church that's, you know, a church of 10 to feel uh, like it's got a steel barrier around it that you can't, you can't get into. You know, yeah. I think there's a whole range of, <clears throat> I think, it, I think it really gets down to your understanding of what the church is. 
as the church and when we gather is is Sunday morning, yeah. like um, in particular, is it a time for me to be entertained or to be fed or to be ministered to exclusively? Because certainly Sunday morning is a time for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, not for not to be entertained. Uh, right. uh, are you not entertained? Um, but I <laughs> think, you know, there's um, there's a, a philosophy that goes into it of saying, okay, you know, I, I, I'm not just here to be ministered to, but I'm also here to minister to others. Mm-hmm. And I think it's especially important for a larger church to have that mindset of uh, looking, keeping your head on a swivel uh, and looking yeah. for for people that you can minister to, whether you know them or not. Um, there are different ways that that goes that can you know come about. I mean, um, churches that are larger are going to have different teams of people that are going to coordinate and, and really get face to face with, with people on a regular, like deliberate basis This is what they exist for. So I think of like children's ministry, you know, and how important it is. I mean, we think about like ushers and greeters being important in that and they, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I kind of skipped over that just because it seems kind of straightforward. Um, You want to have ushers and greeters who are, like welcoming and are like looking around and, and bringing people in, finding a seat for them, ha- being a friendly face, answering questions, mm-hmm. knowing things about the life of the church so that you can answer those questions without having to direct somebody down a rabbit hole of other information yep. that they're never really going to follow <laughs> through on. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, understandably. But then I think like something like children's ministry, where from the moment you check children in to the moment they get to their classroom and then as kids are interacting with the volunteers in children's ministry, and then when parents come to get their children and are interacting with those volunteers themselves, uh, there's so many little opportunities to engage with people on a very personal level, you know? And uh, I mean, even something like children's ministry, like caring for somebody's kids, that's that's a really important thing. And uh, yeah, you know, that's a big, that's deal. a big, pro- that's a big thing. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, having people there who uh, really reflect the church well, uh, which is why, like at Crosspoint, we really want members to be the ones serving in children's mm-hmm. ministry because yeah, we want right. to know, like, that these people uh, believe the gospel for one, and membership's really the only—it's not a guarantee, but it's the only way that we can approximate understanding where somebody's at with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like having people who are on the same page, just philosophically, and uh, who who um, are in just embedded in the life of the church. Um, like all of that is really important. I think to just you want to reduce the number of channels people have to take to get to the information that they need to, to right. get to the, the place that they need to be at. And so, you know, a large church uh, could be tempted to kind of put all the focus on the uh, the, the face of the church, lead pastor or whoever mm-hmm. it may be um, or, or the elders or, or whatnot. And um and sometimes the larger the church is, the, the more difficult it can be to get to that person or persons. Right. Yep. But when you've got members who see themselves as having that responsibility of caring for others, connecting them to the life of the church, uh, seeing, uh, exhorting them, encouraging them, all, all of these things that scripture mm-hmm. clearly expects of all believers, not mm-hmm. just pastors, um, then then that creates an environment where a church of a thousand or a church of, of 10, it, it's going to be a place that you can at least, you can connect with people. Right. And, uh, and that's, that, that's where the church is going to grow and be fruitful. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, all right, brother. Well, this has really been a joy. Yeah. I, I think that this will certainly be something to, to think about, and I, and I trust that it will be a real help and encouragement. So thank you for your time. Yeah, man, absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can help others find and be encouraged by this content by leaving a rating and review wherever you're listening.